Hi, I'm Jez and I'm a communication coach and I thought it would be a really cool idea for the first time ever with my business, even though I've known how to do this stuff for quite a long time, to introduce you to a few people with true talent, people who've got something interesting and good to say about what they do in business. I thought it'd be great for you to hear all about them and where they're at. So this is the My True Talent podcast. You're most welcome and enjoy the show. Mike Salitro is a lovely bloke, what we like to call in these parts a diamond geezer. Professionally, he runs a business called Accomplished RE. He's a triple threat, an attorney, a realtor, and a business coach, mostly for fellow realtors. He pretends to be a reluctant family man, but I'm sure you can tell we all know differently. And I know he's just the sort of valuable person you'd like to get to know. So that's why he's on the podcast. I asked Mike about what it means to be a dad, how he got into the marketplace he's currently in, how coaching works in the real estate world. I asked him to tell me a cautionary tale and we also had a fascinating conversation about consumerism and why it's so frustratingly compelling sometimes. But first, and quite simply, I asked Mike how his weekend was. It was okay. It uh, We had snow, ice and terrible weather here and uh, my kids refuse to get along with each other so uh, besides that it was perfect you've got remind me your family what does your family consist of uh, i'm married with three little kids we've got two boys five years old and three year old and our daughter which is uh, the last hope for a well-behaved child she's nine months how wonderful how wonderful to me um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm very lucky because, and this is, and by the way, this is not me crowing because I'm also envious of people who have, um, uh, and I'll explain why in a second, who have three people, three kids, and that's because when I was um, feeling precocious, but not really, as it were, I was feeling precocious, but I wasn't really precocious, um, and thinking by the time I'm 35, I will have three kids. It never happened. That's the envy bit over with, because I was very lucky to have one child um, who happened to be really fantastic. And But I also remember the beautiful bit, I think, for me personally. I mean, it's all, all beautiful, but I think it's the bit where they are nine months and they're starting to kind of explore and also have a knowing look like they know exactly what's going on. They just can't quite express it yet. And uh, it's a beautiful time. It's really beautiful time. And as chaotic as it can appear, particularly as I'm sure with three, um, I'm sure it's amazing. Uh, what is your what is your status, would you say? How would you describe your dadness? My dadness? Um... It's kind of all over the place. Generally, I would say I'm a pretty good dad. I like having little children. I laugh, at least to myself, when you say by age of 35, I wanted to have this amount of kids because I was pretty certain I was never going to have kids or if I did, it would just happen when it did. So the fact that I have kids, I love I love being a dad and um, that we all <laughs> uh, take care of each other and, you know, have we're all under the same roof is kind of a miracle. Because there was no plan, there was no, this needs to be done by this time. So it's happened, 
Yeah, I love it. They seem pretty happy. So it's my dadness is uh, it's ever evolving. I'll say that. I think that's that's really really good. It's really really good. And and I don't know about you, but there's always something to learn when it comes to always something, but it's never really a great idea. I don't think to get particularly hung up up about it. I get hung up about a lot of things, but I have to say raising a kid or kids generally is not one of those things because everybody knows it's a mystery. It's a mystery when they're 20. It's still a mystery. Mystery never goes. Well, two funnier stories at that. I remember before the first one was born, like I had books and I was reading and I got to a point, I was like, you know, all this sounds good. But I was like, how do they know? Like, how do they know? They can't talk to what these kids are going to be like. They're not, there's no focus group you can have. So, I mean, you can, you can try to prepare yourself as a parent, but uh, I think it's, you know, it's good advice, but it's not all that helpful, especially now that I've had multiple kids. Like you can, you can read all that parenting stuff, but a, a lot of it doesn't apply when you're in the heat of the moment. And the other thing, as you mentioned, when they're 20, I was talking with a friend of mine who's got a couple little kids too. And it's like, all you really do as they get older is you swap out problems one for another. It's like, well, you know, they're coloring on the wall now, they're breaking this, they're not listening. But when they get older, it's, uh, you know, they're driving the car, they're out with this person, they're doing this with their money. Like it's just, you're just swapping one headache for another and it just it escalates as it gets older. So you don't want to, the advice that everybody gives me is enjoy this time when they're small because uh, it goes by so fast. And then when it's gone, it's like, you know, I really miss it and I wish I did this. So I'm trying to remind myself when I'm chasing them around the house or ask them to stop doing that or to stop painting this, things like that. So I try to keep that front and center as hard as it is sometimes. It's I see very laughing, easy. But yeah it, I, I, it's very easy to romanticize I, I think that's in, in a way it's um that's a dad's priority a prior a prerogative in a way um uh even though that's a very unfair to the mums because i think for for most mums it's the only thing they romanticize about is when in my limited experience is when uh the kids are very very small um from about six months onwards, so in other words, the time when dad started to get interested, um, mum stopped start to lose interest. Um, <laughs> sorry, start to lose interest um, a little bit. Um, the 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 nurture thing and the nature thing is is so important to remember, and um, and how you link up with both. And um, there are in the end, you disregard all cliches and you just go with what you feel. And uh, I think it's an amazing, as I say, it's a mysterious um, phenomenon. There are no rights, no wrongs. And you. And the other thing is, you're never right, really. Well, um, I found out the... being married. That part I got from just being married. That, <laughs> uh, you know, you need, that it's always a cooperation and that very rarely am I correct. So that was a good practice for the kids. It, it definitely, definitely, except that, except that you, you kind of, it becomes, I think, with kids, it becomes even more philosophical. With, um, with, with, I think, with your partner, it's much more of a negotiating tactic more than anything else. But with kids, it's just, you just have to go. It's what it is. It's amazing. It's, ter it's terrific. It's terrific. Um, and all those things. And uh, I'm very lucky because I get on like a kid with my with my daughter so it's fine sometimes i realize that i'm being outrageously irresponsible or whatever it is but um uh, you know i think generally speaking 
you know, I'll always give my heart a hard time about that. Um, but ultimately, uh, having kids is beautiful. So that's a beautiful way to start things off, Mike. Um, I've got to say, when it comes to what you do, I've been extraordinarily, um, I'm not say pleasantly, but extraordinarily surprised um, because I'm not sure if I'd guess what you do, I'd ever guess what you did if I didn't know what you did already. Uh, so from your point of view, um, first of all, and this is just a, by way of, I've already said that I'm not massively into kind of introducing yourself or anything like that, but by way of, I don't know, telling the story exp and giving clues as to what you do on the way, explain what what may, what got you into what, where you're at and what you do. Okay, so that's... That's a big question, and I will try to make it as interesting as possible, because getting into it was uh, a chance, a mistake, a hey, this is what's in front of me, so let's see where it goes. And where I am today has been quite a circuitous path. Uh, so once I left, once I graduated college, I moved to New York City to be with friends. Like That was kind of my plan, and the first job I got was in the real estate sector, and I had no experience. I didn't know what I was doing, and I showed up on day one, which I still remember, to a desk with a phone you know, one of the old phones that plug into the wall and a stack of papers and computers and internet were a thing then just not for the job that i had accepted so i was going to be on the phone talking to people who owned real estate wanted to own real estate were invested some degree of it and my job was to basically swap information with them and i had nothing as far as experience or anything that would be valuable to them so i kind of dove in two feet to this real estate world and you know it was a lot of hard conversations up front a lot of leave me alones uh, but I, I liked it and I got to kind of see it from all angles. So the last almost 20 years now, which I'm kind of shocked to say, I've had many different roles in and around real estate. I'm an attorney, so I help people uh, close transactions, purchase homes, sell homes. And that's one of the main things I do. But I also do, I do a few things uh, in, in real estate without making this rambling and boring. The main thing I do is I try to help people where they want to go. Generally, they are in a situation they want to get somewhere. Uh, and with my experience, I try to make it as streamlined, as easy. I don't want to say painless because sometimes it is is hard what they're looking at. So as but we will say painless uh, for them. So I help them I work the brokerage. I help them sell their home. Something I started doing a few years ago is I coach other real estate people. I help them build a business that ideally will make their job easier for them, a better product for their clients, and ultimately something that they want to do more of, enjoy doing, and do it easier, do it better, do do the things they like more of. So that's a long, rambling, all over the place answer, but I work in real estate. I'm an attorney, I'm a coach, and I, I help people sell uh, residential real estate as well. That's That's great. Thank you for that. And I'm intrigued because how does the how does the coach bit work? Explain first about that. So how does that work? Because this is this is fascinating. Yeah, so real estate and coaching. Yeah, how does this work? Sure. So I spent a good amount of time in, in corporate and a corporate setting. And one of the things that we got to really learn was Lean, Six Sigma, and the idea of process and systems, that there should be a standardized way that things get done. And 
even as I say that, that, that's boring and people find that boring. So I try not to talk about that upfront or all too much, but really the best businesses, the best organizations, they, there is some structure for most of the things that they do. Uh, so in, in kind of learning how those things work, I, as in real estate, being on the sales side and the legal side, I, I see where things can start off poorly, where the handoffs can go wrong or where, when there are multiple uh, professionals working with the client where it's like, well, I wish this person took care of that. Or I wish he explained this to you or, or, or she did a really great job here, but this could have got left off. So my coaching is all of those things that it's, I understand the process from A to Z. I've got experience doing all of the thing, all of that. And I've got experience in building systems. So I, I work with mostly successful real estate professionals on looking at what they're currently doing and seeing what makes them successful. And what we'll find is that the things that they're doing really well, we can probably make it more efficient, make it easier for them, make it more streamlined. And the things that either they aren't doing as well, that they're not doing, they're ignoring, or they don't even know that they are not doing a good job at, we try to get it to an acceptable level. And that can be uh, through repetition, through building a system, through uh, automating something, delegating something out, bringing on uh, resources, but just having an idea that if I'm going to spend this amount of time, this amount of money on something, I need to have some sort of positive return on it. Uh, so that's that's where the coaching really is. It's that, hey, I've got experience doing these things. You're doing it pretty well. There might be a way to do it better, and there might be a way to make a better end product for your clients. Fantastic. And that, I guess, begs the question, uh, what do you think is the single thing you've learned from that particular aspect of what you do? So, you, you know, talking to people about you know, where they're at and trying to help them and kind of move them along. What's, what do you think is the thing you've, the kind of, the bit of wisdom that you've acquired that you, you, you kind of prize the most by doing that? Yeah, there's a few things that come to mind, but the first thing that I thought of when you asked me was that we, we think that we know certain things and that we think we've got an idea, but until we actually ask the people that we're working with, the people that are involved, the actual clients, what they want, how they want it, when they want it, 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 it can differ. And even if we've done it uh, with a certain outcome nine times out of 10, that 10th time, it's important to get everyone to the same expectation level, the same agreement level, the same, here's how things are probably going to look, here's how they're going to look. And if things change, here's what we can expect from each other. Um, so it's that even if you've done something multiple times, hundreds of times, that it's important to have everybody on as close to a level playing field and have open lines of communication, have that conversation up front and throughout, because it's nice to say, we've got this plan. This is how things are going to look. Things are going to get knocked off uh, schedule off plan very quickly, no matter what you do, how you handle that is really where things, what separates the good from the great. There are people who have the most beautiful plans, the best uh, expectations up front, things change. And then it's kind of like a, a panic and a fire drill every day out from then on. And that's where the biggest problems are. So what I've learned most is, yes, spend your time planning, have the preparation, but be prepared to get knocked off that course and that you're taking either a team, a group of individuals, or just even a solo client with you and that you know that when that happens, you're ready to make the changes necessary to move forward in a positive direction. Because it's very rare that you're going to have a detailed plan and it's going to work as you had laid out either one week, two weeks, you know, months beforehand, because things change. Yeah, yeah, be prepared, <laughs> be prepared. 
measure up to uncertainty um, and all this kind of stuff. Absolutely. Um, do you have any, and by all means, and we can edit things out, so don't worry too much if I freak you slightly, but do you have any stories that you can tell that were, uh, let's say, cautionary, it could become a cautionary tale? that you might even do a TEDx on one day, who knows? But a cautionary tale based on your experiences. Yeah, uh, the, the one that comes to mind, uh, just because I saw the, the power of how hard things can be, how, when the, again, when things get passed off, when it's not really working. I had a client a few years ago where I, I was filling in as the attorney at the very end, the closing table. So when you buy a house, Go through a very long process which i won't get into detail here but one of the last things you do is you sit at a closing table you sign documents as a buyer and basically the house is yours after that just walk into the room and there's a young husband and wife and they just look like they've been through the absolute ringer uh, it's hot and they just look uncomfortable so i don't have much of a backstory because this is if it wasn't my first day it was the second day that i was involved in this transaction i was really just coming into the very last moment to, to help out with it we get talking and they just tell me this got delayed and this was supposed to happen. This hadn't happened. And they're finally where they're supposed to be and they're thrilled. And, and, but they've been living out of a rental truck with all their stuff packed in the back of it, uh, in a moving truck. And they're between properties now for a few days because this final closing has been delayed. They've got two small children and it's, you know, this, they're just finally to get, they're finally excited to be here, but they're exhausted. So first thing we do, you know, we check identification and uh, the wife had a birthday the last couple of days. And on that birthday, her license expired. So the first thing you need to do is say, well, we need valid ID. And just the tears are about to come down her face because she's like, well, when we were supposed to do this on Monday, this license wasn't expired. But now that it's Thursday or Friday, whatever it was, that time has passed. So you know, my passport is somewhere buried in that rent, in that uh, rented U-Haul that we discussed. So I have to go dig that out to get this. So they, they do all those things. We go through all the process. We get everything done. But we're past business on that day. So the next day, we're going to what we call record everything, get everything taken care of, and it's going to be done. And the house will be theirs. And for some freakish reason, um, the electronic recording system that we're using that day has just gone down for the entire county. It's not just my office. It's not just theirs. The entire county is down. And it is one of those freak things that happens every, I don't know, couple years. And since we are not in a place where people were doing it, people weren't doing face-to-face -face business then, it was like you couldn't physically go to the office and take care of it. It was just something that we needed to, and the system that was being used didn't work. So they were not officially done and I had to make that call to them and they just were in limbo as they're now moving things out of that truck into the house they thought they bought and this is going on. But anyway, this is a stress that keeps building up. So we get the end of the day that Friday, that was a Friday and they're still not on record, not completed, not official. And we put together an agreement where they're basically going to be in the house for the weekend, move their things. And on Monday, we'll make it official. So I, I get home, I tell my wife, you know, this, this poor family's gone through a terrible situation. We're so close. And then this thing happened today where we couldn't finalize it, but Monday's going to be the deal. So I wake up the next day, Saturday, and I see I've got an email from the mom at 4.10 a.m. And I just think to myself, like, this is it. This is the email that's going to end my career. Whatever has happened overnight, 
it is not a good thing. It's, you know, for her to email me at this time is going to be the worst possible scenario. <laughs> Literally nothing good is going to come. So I open it and she sent me a picture of her oldest sleeping in his big boy bed for the first time. And just, she's just a heartfelt thank you. I know all, everything that you've done to get us here. We're close, but we're not there. I just want to tell you, I appreciate it so much. And, you know, just a thank you. And, and I went from thinking nothing good is going to be in this to, one of the most touching notes I'd ever got. Again, I've got small kids, so I get it. So just being able to understand that when we're working with clients, they're real people, they have real problems, they they have stress too, that if we can do anything to alleviate some of that, help them along, even when things start blowing up in our faces and it doesn't work out well, if we can understand that these are these are people with real problems and we can help them solve some of them, if not all of them, that there's real consequences. And just seeing that is something that I take to all of my, especially my coaching clients, that these are people we work with. Let's you know do things together and understand things can get blown off course. But if you do it right, it's appreciated. And that's how down the line, you're going to have a pipeline of people who want to work with you, want to tell their friends, their fans, like, hey, I worked with Mike. He was great. Listen to this. You got to call him. And that's that's what I try to strive for in my business and everybody I work with. I'm sure. I don't doubt it for a second. We were, we were. I was having a bit of a, a bit of a gripe when we came, kind of came online, and uh, I'm thinking about the other way round. So imagine. So I, I've just gone through a slightly stressful, but really, in in the scheme of things, nothing, absolutely nothing. It was buying a phone for goodness sake. It was absolutely nothing. It was not stressful at all on the face of it. Um, in the scheme of what's going on in the world, particularly at the moment, certainly not. But it struck me because I, again, I'm in the customer service world. Um, a lot of what I do is looking after people's psyche uh, uh, in one way or another. And customer service to me is paramount. When it's the shoe is on the other foot, and let's say as a consumer, you're thinking, you know what, this isn't working or something's happening. What's going through your mind? And does it, is it always, does it work the other way around? Do you feel for the person talking on the other end of the line? They're a human being, everything, just make sure they're okay. Um, I, I, full disclosure, I don't always feel like that. Um, but from your point of view, does it work the other way? Yeah, that, that's a, I like the way you asked it, and that's a good question because I feel I'm wired in a way that some or most are not, and it definitely annoys my wife. Like if we're someplace together, I, I as we are customers, or we're like a restaurant, a store. I was like, I wonder why they thought why it's that why it's this way. Why do they have us do that? Or you know, do they even know that we're here? Do they care? And it's just like, why do you always talk about it? like why do you care? Because like, because I care. Because when I'm on the other side of that, I want to know what is that experience like. Like if I'm on the phone with somebody and it's like, I have to get my information twice. And I go to a third person and say, like, can you tell me your name? It's like, well, I've already done this twice. I don't need you. You need to do better. I, I So <laughs> your question, no, I, I don't feel bad at that. I know there's people there, but like, you need to work, work for a better company that understands. I don't want to do this. For you. <laughs> uh, or, or from, you know, if I'm at a restaurant, it's like, I've been sitting here for X amount of time. I know that they are. You know, they're short staff, but you know they've come over and they've done this. They could have done, you know. I wonder why they did, or they did this really, really well. That was I, I love how they thought about this. So I'm always thinking about things. It's like if you want me to spend my time and my money there, 
how, you know, are you, have you thought about any of these things or do you not care? It's, you know, it's very easy not to think about it. So I always try to keep in mind that these are people no matter what side of it that I'm on. But when I am the client or I'm the person asked to do something, I can't but help. And say, hey, I wonder if they thought about this or do, do they care or this is how I would do it. And it drives some people nuts, including my wife. Yeah, and I'm sure, and I'm sure, well, I think from what you're saying, I'm sure occasionally you might give them a little bit of a hard time. Um, I know I do, but I always try and stick to the facts. I always try and keep it under wraps, you know, if I'm feeling slightly frustrated. That feeling of like, I'm really going to piss them off right now. I've got to be really careful and understand my boundaries. Uh, I think I think I'm just going to jump in there. See, actually, that's the yeah. one thing that I'll do. I want even if I am frustrated, unless I'm asked, I won't say anything. I will just say, "All right, this is it," and I'm moving on. Like I, I respect and ask for and appreciate feedback, but I will not volunteer it or I will not make a scene. I am not that person. But I will I will never go back or do something again if it's a situation that was you know horrible or so. Yeah, I, I will not I will not yeah. kind of do that. But yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, it's it it's funny today. A couple of occasions, uh, actually two very distinct occasions. Yes, because I was seriously considering moving my phone provider uh, for probably the fourth time. I think I always go through this similar. But I, when it comes down to it, a phone provider on the whole, phone providers are much of a muchness, and and it becomes more precarious the more away from the actual provider and the network itself and you start to go through third parties and stuff like that. And there are so many deals you can have through, through, through third parties. And today I had a warning. I'm sure it was divine. I'm, it must have been the, the consumer god or something because it looked like a really good deal. So I thought, oh yeah, money deal, fantastic, wonderful. I clicked, broken link. I kept clicking, broken link. I was like, hmm. So, of course, if you try and contact someone there, the whole deal is with them, they do not have any provision for anything other than an online sale, because that's why it's a cheat. So because all their costs are completely on the ground, you know, everything, all their costs are on the ground. So it's like, you know, no, we don't talk, we don't talk to them. No, you can only go here. And so, of course, if they have a broken link, there is nothing they can do anything about. So all that lost business because of a technical problem, but they cannot resolve it. There is no way, particularly at the time. They can't put you through to support because that doesn't work like that. It just doesn't because as far as they're concerned, they're just selling. It's just a sale and uh, it's seriously discounted, but it's just a sale. It's amazing. And I find it. So I just went from pillar to post, try and find another deal. No, that deal doesn't work. So I come back and realize actually the way to get a deal is just purely to do very simple tactile bar uh, bargaining and and bartering. It's the only you all you can do is just negotiate by degrees as if you are in the souk. That's it. You're in the souk and you're it's a bowl and it's a beautiful bowl. It's been cheaply made, but it's still beautiful, and you experiencing the wonderful Tunisian uh, weather and whatever, or you're in better still Morocco and you're kind of, and you're in the suit and you're thinking, yeah, it's the plate I want. It's beautiful and I'm going to get it. And you just haggle like an idiot. And that's what it comes down to. I found that sometimes business is just a haggle. <laughs> and actually, like a lot of life, 
It doesn't have to be highfalutin. It can just be enjoyable. Just enjoy the haggle. Don't get stressed by it. It's just life, you know. And someone's going to get, you know, if you keep at it, then both of you are going to be happy. And uh, I sometimes, you know, hate myself for this stuff, getting involved in the consumerist um, mare. But I think there's something in it still. You know, there's something that can be said for good old-fashioned um, slogging away, making sure the deal is done. It's okay. Um, you'll be all right, and you'll have what you want in the end. If you sweat it out, just don't do it too often, because frankly, that's unhealthy. Yeah, and there's a couple of good things there. Life is all about leverage in every situation that you're in. It's about understanding what you can get, should get, and how much you want to push. But the other thing is, is it worth it? Do I want to do this every time, every you know? I'm going to, I'm going to raise my stress levels. I'm going to, I'm going to, is it, is it really worth to blow up this whole relationship over this thing? So just keeping in mind that, you know, what's important, why, is, is it really worth doing? this? Yeah, absolutely. And so the other side of things, I got a, a WhatsApp message from someone who I had met, I think in some sort of networking group who sells discounted stuff but they do a warehouse. They could actually call utility warehouse or something and they do kind of, lock stock and barrel the whole caboodle they can discount for you and i had a bad experience with them so i just said i'm sorry i had a bad experience with you <laughs> it's like that's it no conversation and i think you're absolutely right if just don't go there again if it's just not happening for you then it's just no point point. and of course it is a personal thing i think sometimes the i mean these organizations still exist they still keep going they're going to go without you but it's just about, there's no vengeance to be had. It's just purely yes or no sometimes, really is. And uh, I, loyalty is a strange thing. And I used to think loyalty was all about feeling warm and gooey inside. You know, if you can feel warm and gooey inside, then you're going to be loyal. Actually, sometimes it's not like that at all. Sometimes it is. Um, there are certain products, I'm sure, with you as well. And, and, and also, I mean, particularly with you, if, you, if it's property, you know, it, it's very emotional quite often. And even if it's, you know, corporate, it's very emotional. It can be very, you know, it's an emotional um, purchase. And uh, a particularly residence, residential and, and anything like that. Do you do, uh, am I right in thinking that you have a mixed bag when it comes to your properties or is it is it a specific marketplace? Yeah, it's, throughout my career, I've done a little bit of everything, commercial, industrial, residential but now i do focus mainly on residential since yeah, i do a few a few different things as i talked about it's just it makes more sense to stick in one sector because uh, there's it, it is it is a lot to know in, in each so uh, you do need to specialize in some areas yeah yeah absolutely and uh i um so from your point of view so now you're kind of you've been rocking for 20 years is that right Almost, in this yeah. kind of well, con congratulations. That that's phenomenal to stay in the same. Uh, you must you must feel that you are, you know, certainly an expert in what you do, or at least highly experienced. And and I'll go with highly experienced because <laughs> I I feel like every day we go on, I feel like I know less and less. So uh, highly experienced, yeah. okay. Now I'm gonna stay away from the expert there. No, I'm I'm sure, relatively speaking, it, it's true that you are. But I think. Um, it is a very stressful. I was talking to my friend, a friend of mine, 
and um, last week and he's going through a very stressful uh, purchase experience with property and um, it's a home and uh, he's already attached to it emotionally um, it's in a nice part of the world as far as he's concerned and actually as far as I'm concerned but it's in a very nice part of the world um, and the vendor is is clearly having issues some sort of psychological issues some they're, they're, they're finding it difficult to part from their part of property basically um, from your point of view uh, and clearly you know it's a bit like I mean any kind of professional I guess sometimes do you find what do you do when I guess the question is what do you do to sort of get away from the emotional side of it you know get away from this sort of thing or, or, or do you just make sure that you're just not involved as much as possible and the boundaries really do kind of kick in and all that kind of stuff um, how do you how do you manage that so are you asking me within the transaction with the people involved or how away from away from work? I'd say generally speaking, because, you know, either it's either it's emotional, quite an emotional uh, exercise for you, because it, it involves, you know, obviously any any kind of um, service involves emotions, but particularly with other people and their properties, because it's for them highly charged how do you manage that aspect of it so it could be their emotions your emotions combination of them how do you deal with that side of things gotcha no i'm, I'm that, that's a good question and similar to getting knocked off your plan getting knocked off your preparation you are going to have stress at some point because things are going on you know, not not as as you had scheduled, or or not as you had hoped, or or so, not everyone is willing, or somebody's trying to take advantage of you here, there, or or elsewhere. Uh, so the important thing to do is, as the professional, to remember that's your role. That when you have a client who's going through a stressful situation, you can react certain different ways. For me, asking questions, remaining—I don't want to say detached, but remaining the one who is realistic about how best to move forward how to handle what's in front of you and how to collaborate is paramount you can pile on you can make the stress worse but in my in my law you know law training my my legal education what i liked most was an area called alternative dispute resolution and that was taking care of disputes taking care of disagreements outside of the courtroom where you've got parties who need to learn to work together. And mediation is a big part of that. And the way the mediation works generally is asking questions, listening to what's important to the parties, what their actual interests are, as opposed to what they're saying, and seeing if you can build collaboration between those interests. So where they, there might be overlap of, I know you're saying this, and I know you're asking for that, but it seems like this is most important to you. Can we work in agreement here? When you've got disagreeing parties specifically who can come to some sort of resolution together, there is a much greater chance of it actually working out and telling people, no, this is how it's going to be. This is what you're going to do. You're going to be this place, this time for this amount of money. Um, even if they stick to it, there's going to be bad feelings or there's going to be, I'm going to get you next time. Uh, so trying to get that buy-in by asking the right questions and then listening to what the answers are and then what the interests behind those answers are uh, is a way to understand who you're working with and to help them move forward, even in those stressful, tense situations, because they're going to come up.
yeah understood entirely um we're coming to the towards the conclusion of our beautiful conversation mike and i'd like to ask you i think first of all is there a what is the most satisfying uh project or transaction or experience you've had working as um a pro professional attorney stroke realtor stroke combination of all those things that you do the most satisfying and i don't have one i i do like hearing from my clients of this looked like this was going you know to, to, this is not going to a good place and it worked out well because generally you know things are going to work out they'll work themselves out so if you can guide your clients through a tough time when you come through it they're happy and they will have some sort of degree so always for me being there and then having that conversation like oh, we didn't think we we're going to do it but we're here that's always satisfying the one thing that sticks out to me specifically uh when i studied for the bar after law school uh, it was important for me to keep the keep i had a job that i was working full-time and literally everybody that i talked to was like it's stupid for you not to uh put your full time into studying for the bar, stop working. And it was like, you know what? I think I can manage, I can manage studying at night, preparing it, you know, after hours and keeping my, my job. Cause I liked the firm that I was with. Uh, I liked the, the real estate law that I was practicing. Uh, so I kept it up until pretty much like four days before the actual bar exam. And I did not meet anybody who told me that was a good idea, but I, I've always found that that's kind of what drives me and the ability to, do things that either other people aren't doing or they definitely don't think that I can do. And I passed my bar the first time. And I, I think part of it was that I took control of, this is how I'm going to lead up to the situation. This is what I'm going to do. And I've taken that going forward that I, I'll see people all the time asking, it's like, what do you mean you do this and that and different? How can you do that? Isn't that different? And I don't argue. I don't fight with them. I, I do. I do things my way. I learn how I can best help people. I make tons and plenty of mistakes, but I, I'm persistent with it. I take those mistakes. Like, all right, this didn't work out as I'd hoped, but I learned this instead, or this was a colossal disaster. I can't do that again. So it's a continue, a continually learning process for me. Um, but for the most part, I, I've I've had successes and I've had situations that I can bring forward to uh, either other clients, other situations, or to, to at least make me better. I know that I'm, I'm on my journey. I'm never done. That's wonderful to hear. And very finally, what's the best property that you have ever seen? Jeez. Oh, uh... Or building or, or play or even place, but something that's man-made. The first thing that came to mind when you asked me that, um, I, I vacationed with my my parent, my family, my parents, my sister, my wife uh, a few years ago in Tuscany, and we just had this amazing villa in the, the kind of Tuscan hillside that was just a beautiful old home that had a pool and just overlooked uh, vineyards and was off this dirt road and just the whole area was so just so beautiful and just quiet and you know peaceful which i'm sure i've just said as, as i'm gushing about it nothing about it was you know it wasn't a hundred million dollar property it was just it was maintained so well and just being there was just a a nice vacation from from life and just thinking this i, I could this is a nice way to spend spend some time first when you asked me that was the first image that popped into my head so i'm going with that 
Fantastic. There's no place like home, even if it's someone else's. Um, that's, that's fantastic. Mike, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And, uh, um, you know, I think uh, maybe we'll do it again at some point um, because it just feels like just the, a pinprick um, of, of uh, stuff about you. But it's been wonderful to find out at least a little bit, a little sousson of stuff. Um, thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, have a wonderful uh, rest of the day. You've got more day than I have to come. Um, so, yeah, make the most of it. And Thank hopefully you, I'll see you soon. Yes, likewise. This has been fun. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs>